Business Matters in association with Letterkenny IT's Faculty of Business. Applications are now open for the highly regarded Masters in Leadership and Innovation in the Public Sector. Also a Masters in Governance, Compliance and Data Protection in Financial Services. And a Certificate in Online Dispute Management. Visit lyit.ie for more information. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is Martin Hardy, owner of Hardy's Cheers Bar in Balbuffet and treasurer of the Donegal branch of the Veterans Federation of Ireland. A Fungeal County Councillor for the Lifford Stranorder Municipal District, Martin is also Vice Chair of Donegal ETB. Martin has been a publican in the Twin Towns for 31 years, having started out life as a carpenter before becoming a postman in Dublin in 1983. A transfer to Balbuffet in 1985 would eventually lead him to setting up his own business five years later. Martin, you're very welcome to Business Matters. Kieran, delighted to be on. Thank you for bringing me on. Martin, it's just a week ago, uh, Tishik Michael Martin confirmed that uh, almost all COVID-19 restrictions uh, would be lifted from 6am on Saturday, January the 22nd, uh, during his latest State of the Nation address. Can I ask you, first of all, were you surprised at the government's decision to uh, lift so many restrictions so soon? It was a big a big surprise because people had asked me, probably in the bar, in the days leading up to it, um, what did I think would happen? And, and this is, I think they always thought that because I was a councillor and part of the government that I had an inside track, whereas um, they couldn't be further from the truth. But um, no, I was expecting, say, the following, maybe Monday morning at the earliest or the following Friday. But because I thought, I said, well, the, the people who've been closed so long, they have to give them an opportunity to try and get ready. So it was, did come for surprise. Um, suppose we'd been told it would be February before anything would happen, so that was that was why we didn't really expect it, it to change. So, um, but then some of the people got on and they got opened. Uh, some of the people said we'll leave it a week till we get organised. And um, overall, from what I've been talking to members there, it hasn't been a big issue with them, and they've got on with it. So that's the way. Probably that's the way this industry is. You, you you get on with what's been thrown at you, and we know that over the last two years, and that's been the way. We've been open, we've been closed, and uh, was it September the first year of 2020? I think we opened here for three days. We opened on a Wednesday, and then we were told on a Friday that Donegal was closing and Dublin was closing. The rest of the country was left open, so um, it's been a strange few years in business. Um, it's not just for me, but for all, all the hospitality sectors, it's been a difficult time for them. Hopefully we're, we've come over the hill and we're... we're, we're we're getting there now and we're going to reap the benefits of, of um, trying to keep our people safe and that there. So we're looking forward to the season ahead. What reaction did you have among your locals and, and how different were things on, say, Saturday night that you opened without the restrictions compared to the, the night before? Yeah, <coughs> uh, people were, were kind of excited to be out. I've seen more, a lot of young people out. And, you know, as I said to somebody, I says, I don't know, you could see all people taking photographs were out. Kind of, I think it was just more for their social media pages than for being out socialising. So it was kind of a strange, uh, but it was great to see them out and great to see young people because was, um, personally I'm at an age where we've we've had a good part of life but the young people have started their life as part of their development and it's all part of the crack looking back and when you've been going out when you're 18, 19 and they lost out in two years that and I feel very sorry for them 
and for and for the older generation who who missed out on 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 family members coming to their houses because they were so afraid and that's we're probably in the middle bracket on the on the higher side unfortunately but um hopefully now that people can get move forward of course we've lost the country has lost over 6000 people who've died during this pandemic and um we cannot forget those people and that's that's a sad reality of people who had gone to through losing somebody and couldn't have a proper wake or funeral and the wakes and funerals are all part of the grieving process so it's it's, it's i feel really t- sad for those people how did a man from frosters uh, end up being a publican in the twin towns yeah it's a, it's a long story I suppose uh, i don't believe in certain 82 and uh and the abbey vocation school in Donegal town and at that time, suppose everybody was um, the education system at the time was uh, get yourself a good pensionable job and stay there till you're 65. So, <laughs> so every civil service exam came up, you were doing them all. And um, I'd always wanted to do chefing, and I always remember I was accepted in um, Killybegs Catering College in August of um, 83. 83. And about five days later, I got a letter from the post office to say that I was accepted as a postman. And I was to start in Sheriff's seat in Dublin on the 3rd of September, 83. And suppose at the time, uh, it was, it was um, I would have been getting £15, Euro, 15 pound a week for going to the Catering College. And I was getting 80, 82, £82 a week in the post office. So I think that kind of swung my decision at the time. So I ended up in Dublin and... Um, I suppose once every fellow from the country gets into Dublin, the first thing you do is apply for a transfer back back home again. So that is what I'd done as well. I'd applied for Donegal Town to get back to Donegal Town Post Office, because it was probably my nearest one. But um, I worked in Rathmines for a year and a half, which I had a brilliant time there with some fantastic fellows who uh, who I still have some of them I keep in touch with. One of them, in fact, went on, um, he played with Shamrock Rovers at the time, John Cody. And uh, I used to go any weekend. I stayed in Dublin. I always went to see Shamrock Rovers when he was playing Rovers at him. He went on to play for Chelsea, and then came back to Derry City and Dundalk. But John was a, a great lad and was a great help to me when I was in Dublin and made me feel welcome among all the the people in that area. But uh, I always remember Eddie Ayres was my uh, postmaster in Rathmines, and um, I suppose any time there was extra work to be done. I was only in a flat, so I worked away all the hours I could, and any extra shifts that Eddie needed done. So, Eddie came to me one morning. He says, "Martin, you're in for a transfer to Donegal SSM." And he said to me, "There's a vacancy in Balbuffet." He says, "He says your name's not down for Balbuffet, but there's no other names on that." But he says, uh, "If you want to think about that, he says, um, let me know, and I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do for you." And two weeks later. Well, the first thing I done was rang my sister, who used to pay to leftist in Balbuffet back in the, the late 70s. So I rang her and I says, what about Balbuffet? She says, I love Balbuffet. She says, so that kind of made my mind up right away. The only thing I knew about Balbuffet was, was Finn Harps and Michael Honeys. So I didn't really, and um, in the county pitched for Donegal. So it, that was my only thing I knew about Balbuffet. But... I accepted the position. Eddie says to me, "That's grand," and I moved to Balbuffet on the. It was the twenty fourth of April, uh, nineteen eighty five. That was the day I, I landed in Balbuffet, and uh, 
it was um, it was a great a great experience. In fairness, probably six months later, I was offered a position in Donegal Town Post Office, and um, I was that happened. Bell Buffet stayed on, so I was. I think it was a good decision at the time. So I've been very lucky here. Big change from the city. It was a massive change. Yeah, it was a massive change in the city. Um, but I always, just when I came here, I was midfield very welcome from the start, and I was a town postman. So I got to know all the, the people around the town quickly, and as um, suppose it, it stood to me later life, I was inclined to stand chatting a long time to people, but that was just part of my nature. I loved talking to people and, and having, and um, people used to say to me, how do you ever get around the post? Because you do that much chatting, it takes you all day. The other guys can do it in about two hours less, but I still enjoyed it. So that was the main thing. And you met people, and I suppose that it stood to me in later in later years as I moved into business and to into politics. So, so talk to me about the first move into business, Martin. Um, well, I, from a from a work the post office, I was only in Balbuffet but four months. When I decided um, I had too much time in my hand, so I started working in Jackson's Hotel. So I used to work the weekends there, and then uh, work the Friday, Saturday, Sunday there and then at the post office Monday to Friday so I was kind of going all the time then I would have got an odd shift in the golf club as well because friends of mine would run the golf club so so I was kind of I was never I was lucky to have one or two nights to myself but I didn't mind that I enjoyed the work so um, then one day uh, Seamus Boner from Stenorder we had a pub in Stenorder Seamus stopped at me one day in the city says to me would you be interested in working in the top bar for me a few nights a week so I says, God, that'd be great. So I says, he says, I want you to do the four nights Monday to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, so that was great. I thought I'd follow me weekends myself. I can give up the hotel work and the golf club work. And, and that's what I did do. And I worked for Seamus. But then a lot of weeks it ended up you were doing the Friday night as well. And you done. But I didn't mind. It was it was great times. And Seamus and Fina and the family were very good to me. So um, I was there a few years. And Seamus said to me, I'm thinking of leasing the bar. Would you be interested in? And um, at that time, my wife, uh, my wife Denise, was working another bar in the town. We were we were only going out at the time, so we talked about. We said, "Well, both are working bars. I can still do the post. You can do it during the day. I can do the nights." So that was the way we. That was the way it happened, and a strange way. We didn't actually know when we'd be taken over, but it turned out we took it over ten days before we got married. So the. Um, that was our. That was a quick turnaround. We had ended up. We had three days in Galway of a honeymoon, and um, and we came back again to run the bar that weekend. We got married on a Tuesday, and we're back working the Friday night. So, what year was that? That was nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. So we spent two and a half years, or two years nine months there, and then um, uh, it was the present premises Cheers Bar came on the market then, and um, we decided that maybe this. This was um, an opportunity to maybe we could put in a bid for it, and um, and that's what we did. We put in a bid, but at the same time we decided, well, we're three years married, we better have a honeymoon now because we didn't have any time. So we we went away in honeymoon at, after three years, and uh, that time there was no mobile phones and on. So after about three or four days, I rang back to the the solicitor who we put the bid in for the bar with, and um, Margaret Mulrain, and. Uh, and Margaret said to me, you've bought a bar. So that was good. Since we were excited about that, and then we sat down for a meal that evening, we said, right, we better look about a mortgage now. <laughs> so, so, so that was another step then. But um, we 
we we got there and um, suppose then we bought the bar and it took off very well and then the premises next door to us went on the market two years later so we put a bid in for that then and then after buying the two then a year later we'd say we'd toss the whole thing and rebuild it again so it was a major investment it was a major investment and a major decision too it was a major a major decision at the time and suppose we were we were just in our early 30s at the time so it was a a big a big decision but um, I think when you're that age you don't see the downfalls I think I'm now at age of, of 57 I feel that <laughs> you would be, when you're making a decision now you think more about it but at that stage you don't see all, all you can see is the upside and what we can do these things so but it was um, in fairness to the, the people of the Twin Towns and surrounding areas have been very good to us and have been very supportive of us down the years so it's it's not how they have been good to us and looked after us. So I think that's that's how we're still here after twenty eight years. So how big is the premises, Martin? Uh, I suppose it's four. It's four levels. We have a cellar and then three three floors of bar, and then we have a kitchen um, on the second floor, and then the top floor is just a few rooms there. We we would have lived here at a time when we when we built it originally, <coughs> and. Um, but then we moved out. We moved out, out, out um, outside the town then, in later years. So it was, um, I suppose, the kitchen. It was strange the way we got into the food then. At a stage, um, not sure what time that was, but it's about fifteen, sixteen years ago, we got into the food, and then it was busy. It was busy to an extent, but it was um, a different time for for the food industry. And it was strange at the time we started that there. I always remember thinking back then. It was um, I decided to see an ad in the Donegal Democrat for uh, a day a day course in Kelly Beggs Catering College for the chefs could go to. And this was strange after so many years that I'd looking at someone that I'd thought about when I was nineteen, and I rang up the the college and this is come on down for an interview, and I was on the course the following week, and I'd done the three year course then. In fact, I'd done four years because the first year I'd done it halfway through it. Um, the Fine Gael asked me to run for politics for the first the local election, two thousand four, as a running mate for the late JJ Reid, and um, this was something that was in my head anyway. So um, I took up that challenge. So I gave up the course, but then I started again in September and went on and done the, the further three years and got my my qualification from the Cert College in Killybanks, which was fantastic. What was that experience like? Go back into the the, the learning uh, environment. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it, and I, I loved the tutors in Kelly Bay. They were fantastic, and and many of the challenges we did have because we would uh, probably from working in the industry and um, not just coming from a student side of it that that I was uh, challenging them, <laughs> challenging them on on things. Why do we do this? And um, the fact that we're all in the EU, I couldn't understand some of the regulations that we had in Ireland because I could go out to Spain and the regulations were different or Portugal. So I was kind of challenging them on this, how come our regulations and the industry were so different. Mark, the fact that you were older than, than the average student, had that an, an effect on, on how you viewed the course and how they viewed you maybe? Yeah, I suppose it did. Yeah, well, that was kind of most of the, lot of the students on that on that day course were were people who were in the industry, um, that were working part time and were wanted to get their qualifications, which was was great to have the opportunity. And probably that's something that <coughs> that I, I look at now and I try to encourage young people to try and 
to get the qualifications because if you have the qualifications you can go anywhere in the world and um, I suppose at the, at the present I'm on the board of the Donegal ETB and I'll be very big into apprenticeships and so I, I always encourage people to go and get their do their apprenticeships and get their qualifications because of, of the lack of skilled people that we have in the country now mm-hmm. which is a big challenge going forward Donegal ETB have been uh, extremely proactive in, in, in that regard. Um, are you hopeful that that's the way that things will continue into the future, Martin? I think they will, yeah. I think that um, Donegal ETB, in fairness, are one of the leading ETBs in Ireland. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on the board, but they are. And in fairness, we were so lucky there in 1919, uh, 2019 even, that um, we had a student in ETB in... Um, the welding course who went to the world championships and was the first person from an ETB that ever qualified for a welding world championships and that was down to the work of, of the team there Cahill McGee and his team there in the welding section on the ETB so that was that showed you how far and and, I, and it was strange that we had um, in, in the same um, the same year we had um the mayor of not the mayor of Boston, the mayor of Boston was over in Donegal and one of the councillors from there, and they came to meet us in the council, and then we took them to visit the training college in in Letterkenny, and um, they were amazed at where we what we were doing there. They couldn't they couldn't believe it, and I thought this is unusual. Americans they're way ahead of us all there, and they said they have nothing like that, and this they talked among themselves. And they, they they were saying about this is what they should do. And, and we were very lucky then because um, Seamus O'Donnell was mayor of the county then and I was deputy mayor of Donegal. And we went to Boston that year for St. Patrick's Day and they took us to their council. And they got up and spoke and said about things that Donegal ETB was doing that they should try and do to get their young people into apprenticeships. And I thought that was... That was and I thought that was great for us as an ETB that that people other countries were even taking on board what we were doing. So that was it was, it was a brilliant vote of confidence for our apprenticeships and the way we're going. So I think it's going to get stronger and, uh, and we need uh, more public investment. We need more coaches and more tutors. And, of course, we need to work with the employment sector to make sure that the, um, the employers take these people on and we need to make sure the employers are, are looked after properly for that. Can more be done in that regard, in, in, in terms of maybe forging stronger links between employer and students <laughs> and trainees? Oh, there is. There are always there are always things you can improve on. And um, in fairness, there are some of the there's one of the courses there that uh, ETB does that um, it has been like, based totally. That has been designed by the company, an American company in, in Letterkenny, that um, everybody doing the course is guaranteed a job in that company at the end of it all. And that's just one particular course. So that's how you can work with employers and give them what they want. So there's there's a lot of work we can do. And in and, and fairness, the team there, Crona Geller and all the team in that section, and, and Vinnie McGrory, they, they are doing that all the time. And they're meeting employers. Uh, and, and, and what they're doing as well is they're giving um, certificates to people who have worked in the industry of, of um, long-term employment that they have... They may have not have done the courses, but they have gained the skills through working in the industry, which gives them more confidence as well going forward, which is great. You alluded to your start of your political life. Uh, how have you found political life, and what was the attraction? Um, I suppose I um, 
I was always my dad. My dad was was um, would always work election time. He would uh, he would have put up posters for the local candidates, and he would have uh, worked in this that time. You worked in the schools on the day of the election, marking the register and all that there. And I I was intrigued by all this. And um, my father unfortunately got sick when I was in my early teens, and he was um, he never left the house. So election time, if he was uh, wasn't able, I was keeping him up to speed on the, listening to the radio that time maybe, and and you had RT just and you were getting. Um, I was giving him the updates on what was happening in the elections and so I obviously had an interest just not in local but he would have an interest in all down the country so it would be I would have been going through all the constituency with him how the party was doing all right through the country and I loved that so and then young, at a, probably 16, 17 I joined, joined Young Finnegale in Donegal Town at the time and um so, uh, just I just I just loved the buzz of it. I loved, and then I was so I was so proud when I was a postman in Dublin. One of my um, greatest moments was that uh, I was a postman on Palmerston Road in Dublin, number forty Palmerston Road, where the late Gareth Fitzgerald lived. And I was so proud to have met him a few times there. And in later life, then I met him at McGill Summer School in Glenties a couple of years prior to his death, and and, uh, and we had a great conversation back that him. And there we'll take a break. Business Matters in association with Letterkenny IT's Faculty of Business. Applications are now open for the highly regarded Masters in Leadership and Innovation in the Public Sector. Also a Masters in Governance, Compliance and Data Protection in Financial Services. And a Certificate in Online Dispute Management. Visit lyit.ie for more information. You're welcome back. Before the break... Martin was recalling a conversation he had with the late Gareth Fitzgerald at the McGill Summer School in Glenties. It was two years before the um, recession hit in Donegal, hit, hit Ireland. And I always remember I had a great an- interest in tourism. And I, always, I remember saying to him in, in the Highlands about um, tourism. We need to be doing more tourism to promote tourism. We can, we can get more people coming to Ireland. And I always remember he said to me that night, he said... Tourism probably could bring us in an extra four billion per year at the moment, but he says at this particular moment he says this country needs one hundred billion because he's that's that's how much debt we're in. And I always remember that was so true because I remember he wasn't a man for just making statements. He he was a statistician who, and he was so he was so up to date on what was happening. And um, his his words came came very through the following year. And um, that was just the, the banking industry collapsed, and but he knew at the time what was coming down the road. We've had to depend, I suppose, on people staying local over the last two two seasons, Martin, um, if not three. Uh, do you see Donegal, the Twin Towns, getting back to a, a good bit of a buzz this year, and uh, maybe going back to where we were at pre-pandemic? Uh, Oh yeah, I feel that there will be more staycations going forward and people have probably got to know their own county now and the same for other counties in Ireland that people realise the beauties of their own counties and um, it was amazing, I talked to people uh, on the beach in Port New last year and they were saying they were from Fermanagh but they said they'd never been in Donegal before and they went on holidays three times a year and they they couldn't believe the, the beauty of the, that was their that was their fifth different uh, day trip to Donegal that year and they'd been down around different beaches and they couldn't believe the beauty of it but they were only from Fermanagh this wasn't people from the south of Ireland so 
the greatest thing that happened to Donegal was um, Wild Atlantic Way, and in fairness to probably, I'd be very proud to say that as a councillor, that, that we as councillors in Donegal County Council were one of the high promoters of that there, to, to the investment in that. And there's been a lot of investment in that, and I suppose councillors maybe not get the, <coughs> they don't get the, the praise shoot times, they get a lot of um, slack for not doing things, but they don't get the praise for doing a lot of good things that they've done. And the tourist sector in Donegal has has improved greatly because of the the work that Donegal County Council has put into it and the investment. Like Sleeve League is one of the places to go go to. And I always remember back years ago in the in the bar in the bar industry and you would have had vintners meetings and people told we talked about tourists and the only thing we had at the time well we thought we had at the time was the um, Glenvay National Park and Waterworld and Bundoran and that was the only two things that we always talked about but we have so many different things now and even in in our local area now we have Oakfield Park and Rafoe and we have all the other different things that, that are built up around that and plus we have all the walking holidays that comes people that come to Ireland now they don't they don't come to Ireland for, for suntans they come because they want to have an adventure holiday and they want to do walking and they want to do cycling and and, and Kayaking. Now, these are the things that we have, and we probably for years we didn't see that, but we we're really developing it now, and it's great to see that outdoor recreation strategy that the council is bringing forward now, which will bring more investment to the county as well. Because I see myself that lo- local business people, if they see the opportunities, they will invest in a product if they feel that there's a market for it there. So. They're working in col- collaboration with the council now, and, and which is great that that we can because the council can't do it on their own. They need a, they need investment. They need investment from from business people to make these things happen. So they're both working well together. So this there'll be challenges in that going forward. It's not going to be very straightforward, but there will be challenges. But I feel that coming out of this pandemic now, I think people have had time to reflect. During that time, they've had they've had. Uh, Time to look at all the new things that that opportunities that are in the county. So that's 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 positive, very positive. Martin, as a member of the Liverpool Order electoral area, from a business point of view and an economic point of view, what are the main challenges facing the area at the moment? I suppose um, <clears throat> for the Twin Towns, the main challenge is, is um, the the bypass, and that is coming forward now. It's still. Moving forward, hopefully by 2025, we will see diggers on the ground. Um, so that that's going to be a massive challenge because that that TNT project of the um, Balbofaith Nora bypass, um, Letterkenny bypass, and then the Manor to Lufford, and then the A5, of course. So there's there's um, most we're the only electoral area that doesn't have a have a coast. But what we do have is that no matter where you want to go in the county, you nearly have to go through. You have to go through our area, whether you're coming through the north, coming in over Lefford Bridge, or whether you're coming from Donegal Town, heading north of the county. So it's... Um, and we have, a, we have a lot to offer, but there are challenges that, um, we, we, that we can that we can work on. But I, I just um, suppose we always feel that we're the... Um, we don't have the Wild Atlantic Way in our area, but... I think we can work on that and to bring people into the south centre of the county. 
we're very proud to have three fine hotels in the Twin Towns with the Villa Rose and Jacksons and Keys. So we have a lot to offer and we do have a we do have a lot of B and B's as well. So we do have a lot of accommodation providers in the area that will bring people in that we have people when they come in that they have somewhere to stay, so Kelly Martin, uh, how do you think the government handled the pandemic over the last two years? Uh, I suppose <coughs> most people could say that I'm biased, but I, I do feel that um, I feel it was handled well because from the, from day one we had um, they realised that people were going to lose their jobs and they introduced the PUP payments, which were were massive to keeping people that they could they could still be able to pay their bills and live. For a business sector, they introduced the different uh, the rates waiver for businesses, and then the, they got the they got the rates grants then in the first year, and then we had the CRSS payments and the different payments, the EWSS payments as well. So, the business sectors were looked after as well, a lot better than if you talk to people from other countries around Europe that they didn't get the same supports at all. I know there will be a suppose there will be a payback going forward because it, it has um, the overall bill for the last two years for all these payments that will that will be probably coming up on thirty billion thirty billion so that that's um, and that's only a rough that's only a rough estimate but um, I, I feel that we've come through it well suppose um, you talk to some businesses now it's it's going to be difficult getting people back to work. And that's going to be another challenge now. How big is your team here in Cheers? <clears throat> well, at the moment, we, we were doing food there up to Christmas, but then with the 8 o'clock closing, we decided to close the kitchen then during January. So we're hoping to get back up and running now mid-February again. So one would be up fully, one would be probably up in between part-time and full-time staff, maybe 10 people. And how is the business structured at the minute? Uh, before we, we started recording, you were telling me that there may be a, a bit of a r- role reversal going on. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm so delighted. At the start of the start of the pandemic, um, my daughter Natalie decided that she would come back and she wanted to come back into the business. And she had been from she left school. She had been working and in, um, in a shop in the town in a flower shop. And then she she came and she said she'd like to come back to the bar. And, and I was delighted to have her on board. So were you surprised? I was surprised, but and I wasn't surprised because I knew she had the personality for it. Because uh, she's a fantastic personality, and and she's um, she's a breath of fresh air as well. So as I said to her, I'm happy working for you now because at the end of the day, I've been there 28, well, 31 years in total between renting and buying, 31 years in this industry. So you do become stale, and um, unfortunately, a lot of the the people that that were coming into me when I started off, a lot of them people. In fairness, even during the pandemic, we lost nine or ten people that would have been good customers of mine. And How difficult was that, Martin, for the community? That was uh, very difficult. Very difficult. We lost a lot of, not a lot, not even just customers. Or a lot of them were very good friends, like um, Martin Griffin, great Martin Griffin, and uh, Aidan Geller, and oh, there was a lot of we lost a lot of great people that were that were part of your life growing up like and I always remember God rest Martin hope he's happy I remember Martin going to watch him when I was before I ever came near Twin Towns and um, he was a real hero and I remember coming to Twin Towns then and I mean standing beside him one night and I was so excited to be standing beside the great Martin Griffin and uh, it was so funny when me and him talked about it in later years uh, you know you can imagine Martin's reaction to that so I won't even say it on the air <laughs> yeah, 31 years is a long time in, in, in the industry it, is there one change, or are there a number of changes that, that stand out over that time? Um, 
suppose the one the one big change was probably was well, when it was the smoking ban was a big change. Um, it was probably a great change as well now when we think about it because I know myself I was a smoker at the time, and um, it it got me to to go off the cigarettes as well myself. So, and I was a heavy smoker at the time. So, um, one of the big changes I've always felt was was the millennium, and and it's one that people. And it was a, it was a strange one, but it just it was one night. But it, it it changed people's attitude totally towards the industry because we at the time I always remember there was people talking about it was going to be so much in, and it was, bands were charging four and five times the normal price, and it was crazy. And I always remember at the beginning, and come to September of that year, we decided that no, we were going to close at six o'clock on on New Year's Eve, something we'd never done. Ninety nine. On ninety nine, because we couldn't understand this, we weren't going to be charging people that have been so good to us down the years. We weren't going to be charging them crazy prices because, and um, so we closed that year at six o'clock, and we spent the year at home, family, and. Uh, but what did happen was people, a lot of people, got used to having house parties that night, and that changed the whole industry. And people have been doing that since. <coughs> and that's the strange thing about the, the, the lockdown, which is there's been a lot of um, shebeens and all these different house bars built during that time. And, and I think it's going to be a challenge. This, that will be one of the challenges this year, is getting people to come back out again to the industry because people have got very used to drinking at home, which I don't think is health, healthy or, or for their own, for themselves, but it's and even for bringing up a family in that environment, it's not going to be healthy either. Martin, there's a, a headline that caught my eye back in August uh, 2020 uh, in the Donegal Democrat. Uh, you're predicting that the possibility of up to 100 pubs could close. Um, where are we now in terms of the pub numbers? I think it was around about 360 odd that were still functioning pre-pandemic. Have you any idea where the pub number is now that are, that are still fully functioning or back up and running again? Yeah, well, even you take the Twin Towns here, now there's... Um there's four. There's four up and running at the minute. Out of a many? Well, you take it when I came here 28 years ago, there was 13. There was 13 in the Twin Towns. 13 pubs. No, 13 in Balbuffet, sorry. 13 pubs in Balbuffet when, when we bought this place 28 years ago. And now there's four open today. Possibly in the next, over this year, might have one, maybe two of those might open again. The rest, um, the rest won't open. Which is which is sad, um, but that's that's the way the industry has gone. It's a it's a culture change, and it's um, so. And it's not that people be thinking that so many bars are closed, that other bars are very busy. That that is not the case. It's, it's not the case at all. And it's it's a challenge um, putting on music and doing different functions to try and get people in the doors. Mm. Just go back to the first lockdown. How did you spend that time, Martin, uh, in the early days of the pandemic? Um, the early days of the pandemic, I spent a lot of time walking. Um, and thinking? And thinking. Done a lot of thinking, yeah. And it's probably, it was a tough, um, it was a tough time because we lost our daughter Kim in October 14. And um, probably at the lockdown then, um, we had time, more time to think because you were, you were kind of, you try to keep yourself busy to get through, not to get through, not that you ever get over it, never leaves your head any day. 
from you wake up in the morning to you, you close your eyes at night, you never stop thinking about her. But um, it was time you time to think back, and it was it was a difficult time. I found it very difficult in fairness. I, I met another two people. I remember meeting one lady in a, in a shop one day, and she had lost she had lost a child as well. But she had lost a child over thirty years ago, and um, she said to me, she says. It was so difficult. She said that first few months of lockdown was so difficult because that's all she could couldn't get out of her head because she had been someone who had been so busy all her life as well. And I think it says you keep working, you work and work and work to try and get yourself through it. It doesn't really get you through it. You're you're only you're only caught in yourself. So it was difficult. But um, I'd give you time to think, think and, and spend time with the family and realize that there's a lot more important things that that there than than working 24/7 so when i think that's what a lot of business people that are going to do into the future now is that um they're going to spend more time they're not going to put in the the 6 days a week the 12 hour days they're not going to do that anymore and i think people are going to work more sensibly and and try and and that's what that's where you see now a lot of the pubs where you they'll open they'll be closed a couple of days a week because there's no point in being open when there's only a few people about. Because it's not it's not viable. It's not it's not viable. Are you a different person than you were two years ago? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm different. I probably think differently. Like, but um, probably thinking differently. But I don't know if you're ever. You're definitely your mindset and how you feel that. I suppose when you get to say fifty-seven, you're you're starting to think that. Um, you have to be dropping her down a year and, and living life differently. So that that's something that you do definitely. I do think that I have changed. So it's um. But um, I'm looking forward to working with my daughter Natalie in the bar now, and that's. So she tells me when I'm working now instead of her me telling her. So it's it's, it's I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me at all. So. Over three decades uh, in the bar business, Martin, is there one uh, lesson that you've learned most? Um, look after your customers, and 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 um, treat them well. And you'll always, I can say, probably in twenty-eight years that we've been here, I've seen a lot of people come and go in different businesses on the on the main street and the pub game. And uh, and every time one came, you always think this person's going to come and they're going to close you down. And you always think, oh, this is the end of me now. This is. They're going to take all my business, but people will move around and they'll go to other pubs. But I think if you if you look after them and treat them well, they'll always come back to you. And they'll always there's always a business. There's always plenty of business for everybody, and that's that's the main thing. I always find that you always think that people think that there's never going to be enough. There's there's always enough. There's there's loads. We'll we'll have enough to do us, and uh, that, that never was um, money. Never was one of my gods. In fact. Um, I'd be, suppose I would sponsor different things down the years that um, if, if my wife Denise really actually knew how much I sponsored down the years she, <laughs> she wouldn't be impressed but I don't mind, I, I've loved doing that I've loved helping out and I've been loved being a member of the down the years been chairperson of Balba Fee I've been chairperson of the Ballard Theatre I've been chair of the Credit Union so I mean I've been involved in all the and to me all those things are so important in any community and um those people have been good to me so 
and that's that's the way it is like in, in, in business and, and probably the start of my business life I probably forgot to say that probably one of the biggest influences was, was probably God rest the late uh, Joe Kelly of the botanist store who I always remember when I took over the bar first um, I mind going to Joe when I said to Joe I'm taking over a bar and um, I says but I've no money <laughs> and Joe says don't be worrying about money he says we'll look after you he says, and whenever you get money he says you can pay me and I always remember that and I never never forgot that of the, the Kelly family down the years because that's that's the things that get you going in business that somebody has uh, the, I don't know the courage in you or they, they, they see the good city that they know that you're going to look after them and that was one of the Joe Kelly was one of the people that would have been a big influence on in, uh, me down the years so with respect for people like that. Martin, if you had followed your childhood dream job, what would you be doing now? Um, see, that's that's a strange one because I'm the youngest of nine. Um, four brothers and four sisters. My four brothers are all in the building game between carpenters and plasters and contractors and I... I was never into that at all, so I don't know. I'm probably, um, I, pr- I probably landed where I probably was going to land because when I left school, the day after I finished school, I went to work in the talk of the town, Donegal Town, and the reason I went there was my my sister uh, owned the pub and got her late husband, Jamie Maguire, and um, so I kind of, I always remember I enjoyed that, and it was I went uh, for a year. I spent uh, working. Um, and the carpentry game because I thought well my brothers and all are into this so it must be and I spent a year at that before I went into the post office kind of during the week and working talk of the town at night and I remember the day I left to go to the post office and the man Addy Freel got rest him um, Addy says to me he says if the post office doesn't work out he says there's always a wee job for you here but he says I don't think you're that keen on it and you know he was probably hundred percent right, but at the same time he was he was he was always going to give me work, you know. But but he, I just I knew myself it wasn't, and uh, probably my wife Denise could tell you that um, that as well because of if there was ever anything to be done in the house, there was no point in asking Martin because he would go and get somebody else to do it. So <laughs> I just um, I love the I love the bargain and I love the politics. Uh, to me, the politics is like the hobby. But um, it's probably not many people tell you that politics is a hobby. But it's it's I know it's, it's tough times and it's but it's um, it's great when you get a phone call from somebody to say that thank you you done this. It's maybe only a simple thing, but it gives you a great lift. And um, that's probably what has got me through the last eight years since we lost Kim. It's things like that there that 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 when you do something like that, that you get a compliment that it just gives you a lift and keeps you going, keeps you going in life, you know. So. And finally, Martin, what lies ahead for yourself and your business? Um, well, as I say, we'd probably like to drop her down a few gears and, and take life a bit easier. And at the same time, but I still feel, suppose we went back into the food game during the lockdown. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that, working with Natalie and Denise and all the team here. And cheers. Um the food, the food game, and the bar, and the bars is something that's going to be a part of the future for bars in Ireland. It was part of. The, if you go to England or America, every bar you go into, they have some helping of of food. There's something on. There's a menu of some description. So I think that that that's going to be a challenge for the the bar industry. That 
that you'll have to have a, a food offering for people coming in. So I'm looking forward to that challenge, and as I say, that's one of my I love cooking. I love um, so I'm looking forward to that challenge, and I think that's that's where my I'm going to put my efforts into over the next few years in the business, along with the family. So, Martin Harley, owner of Harley's Cheers Bar and Balbothy, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today on Business Matters. Thank you, Karen. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, Martin Harley. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters in association with Letterkenny IT's Faculty of Business. Applications are now open for the highly regarded Masters in Leadership and Innovation in the Public Sector. Also a Masters in Governance, Compliance and Data Protection in Financial Services. And a Certificate in Online Dispute Management. Visit lyit.ie for more information.